Hello and welcome to the return of my monologues, which I admit was supposed to be a blog, but I didn't have the willpower to deal with WordPress. Then I started typing furiously about Manchester United and it seemed to make sense to talk. Though of course I only typed furiously about United because I'm obsessed with them and I'm trying to force a rivalry. And it's never worked as they don't care about Little City, which is why they never sing about us. I felt the need to type because it occurred to me that United resembles some sort of social experiment right now. I say right now, but really I mean since 2013. What's more, the Solskjaer paradox is fascinating, or the ones he creates for all Manchester football fans, red and blue. That's what this Glazer-owned period in the club's history is, a comprehensive and compelling exposition of human nature and how emotion can mask logic. Now, do we all remember the Super League? The fans queuing up at United's megastore to buy Ronaldo shirts recently certainly don't. Gary Neville calling for a revolution. By sheer coincidence, City could have won the league that day. United fans wanted change, and then they went home. United signed a couple of players, and we all forgot about it. Everyone who saw those protests that day knew, emphatically, that there would be no more protests, unless, unless, form fell off a cliff. That all it would take was some conciliatory words from a glazer, and a big signing or two, to placate a fan base, and we would all carry on as normal. And now remember the hysteria and gloating when United scored the signing of Cristiano Ronaldo. They never learn. The manager, the board, the ex-managers, the fans, they never learn. Absolute ecstasy and a brace for Ronaldo as Newcastle United were defeated. But then the reality hit hard again that this is a team of individuals that has not planned for success as other clubs have. But there's always hope as a football fan. And so, right on cue, United magic another victory in the Champions League and all is well again. You see, every comeback victory in the Champions League adds a month to Solskjaer's United managerial career, much more so than a standard 2-0 win would have done. The manager is rewarded for coming back from positions no top manager would find themselves in on such a regular basis. Every cheerleader in the media, from Gary Neville to Terry Christian saying he's doing a great job, every chant from the crowd supporting him, Robbie Savage soiling himself live on air, every end-of-season rewrite on what constitutes success for Solskjaer when he fails to meet the pre-season criteria those same people set. All of this and more gives the Glazers all the assurances they need that change is not necessary. And they don't want the hassle of change, they just want the dividends. I did a couple more Derby Day victories and there will be talk once more of a new contract. Every time United look to have turned the corner, they lose. Every time Solskjaer is on the edge, they win. Every time a trophy is within grasp, they lose once more. But getting closer and finishing second is seen as progress. They were even joint top of the Premier League for a week. Heady days indeed. And the players must like life under the mild-mannered Norwegian to step it up when his position is in real danger. This is the paradox. It's a game of snakes and ladders that never ends. A weird limbo world in which City fans don't want United to lose every game they play. Now I reckon United need to qualify for the Champions League group stage anyway. They can't win the competition, surely. But they could win the Europa League, so them falling into that is not necessarily something to celebrate. But it would be hard not to. Finishing fourth in the group, which now seems unlikely, is enough to put the manager in real danger again because that would cost the club a lot of money. So why do United fans support Solskjaer when there are clearly better managers out there? I guess the idea of success under a legendary ex-player is far more satisfying than success under a random top manager, 
fair enough, even if that success is less likely. So he needs to be given all the time and money in the world to try and achieve that success, to be given every chance. To be allowed to fail as well and given another chance. Because the club is run by sentiment, by nostalgia and because the fan base that have largely supported him from the off want to be proved right as all football fans want to be. They've come too far now to cut ties unless things get undeniably bad. So, as I said, they exist in this weird limbo land instead. After all, it was that nostalgia that saw Solskjaer handed a permanent contract before his temporary contract had ended, after which form fell off a cliff, the honeymoon well and truly over. United fans will point out that these comebacks show that United have got something there, something to build on for which the manager must take credit. That something is merely a half billion pound plus squad with skillful individuals who can win games, a team of moments, a team that should be challenging for the title after such massive investment, but it's currently 33 to 1 with the bookies to triumph at season end. But maybe this is all a pretense from City fans too, wanting them to do okay. A coping mechanism against a team that's come from behind to win 19 times under Solskjaer. And I do think he can win things at United. They have the players and they can take you a long way. Let's be honest, deep down we'd all rather United lost at home to Atalanta. But there is real merit to wanting United to maintain a certain level of competency. Because, and this is key, the simple fact is, in the modern game, with their size and wealth and fan base, they are simply too big to truly fail. They cannot slide down to obscurity or even relegation because they will always have the funds to paper over cracks or to attempt to fix problems or previous mistakes. They still have the lure, though not quite what they once had perhaps, and they will never experience the joys of third-tier football. So the best City fans can hope for United is exactly what has happened over the past eight years, and especially what's happened in the last three. In fact, the mismanagement has been so astonishing, taking over City's mantle, that it's been more than I could have hoped for. Always thinking they're on the brink of a return to the glory days without actually returning to the glory days is a perfect situation for us Blues. But ultimately, there's little to be concerned about every time I think they have finally arrived, that they are now a genuine threat, as they remind me of their fatal flaws with a terrible performance all three. And Gary Neville's assertion that past big-name managers have failed so Solskjaer should be given time is as porous an argument that all managers should be given time because Alex Ferguson took a few years to win stuff at United. Off the field, the fans are revolting once more. By sheer coincidence, a fan protest has been planned at precisely the time that United's form has tailed off. This is definitely a coincidence and would still be going ahead even if United were top of the table. Honest. Of course, the Atlanta win will now put pay to that protest, apart from a lame, limp, token gesture from a few sussed reds. So what do United fans want from the Glazers? Well, for them to go, obviously. But they were happy to end the protest once a couple of good signings were made, which tells you all you need to know. I cannot really protest at the constant presence of Solskjaer at the club, as so many fans are supportive of him. It's what makes the situation all the more delicious for rival fans. But the paradox, the dichotomy is so real, it's hard to define what on earth is going on across the city. No philosophy, dwindling DNA, no real structure, no set plans, little tactical acumen, yet the defeat at Leicester was the first in 29 away league games. Nothing makes sense. But the longer it continues to not make sense, the more United fall behind. The more impossible it is to define this team, the longer we just continue on this same vein. 
I mean, there were still so, so many United fans who wish Ole to remain at the wheel. How can you be so, so blinded that you think the Solskjaer is the answer? And if he is, what on earth is the question? So if there are protests prior to the Liverpool game, the key question is, what on earth are they protesting about? Who do they want there instead of the Glazers? They probably don't know themselves, but out will come the green and off-gold scarves, some flares will be let off, the men in black will be all moody and aggressive, and hopefully this time, a turnstile door won't magically unlock itself. And then, on Monday there was Gary Neville, angling for a career as a politician on Monday Night Football. Neville's argument on Solskjaer, to quote Duncan Castles, the cherry-picking journalist who, like a stopped clock, occasionally is right, and puts out a good tweet, amounted to the following. One, it's wrong to advocate changing managers in an industry where change is standard practice, but let's not mention Salford City. World-class coaches failed at Man United, so let's stick with a sacked Cardiff manager. And three, he's a legend, he's a mate. Neville actually had the goal to claim that winning the Europa League should be construed as a successful season, considering the strength of the opposition they face in City, Chelsea and Liverpool. A competition they're not even in, and would only enter should they fail in the Champions League, again, in the group stage, in one of the easier groups. But more to the point, that rather dodges the elephant in the room as to why a team with so much resources as any and as many resources as any other club in the world is not as strong as the three teams he mentioned. To be fair, I have endless bookmarked examples of Neville backing previous United managers when their time was clearly up, especially David Moyes. It's just weird as a part owner of a club himself, he doesn't espouse similar patience and principles for Salford City. If Neville can't sit in that studio and give honest and impartial opinions on Manchester United without prejudice, then he shouldn't be in that studio, and that goes for many others too. But as I've already mentioned, the wonderful thing is that we want this support to happen. The reluctance of media giants like Neville to criticise the Manchester United manager only helps ensure he stays in post longer, and longer than is remotely logical. A fellow podder has struggled to get quotes on Solskjaer this week from ex-United players as they refuse to condemn and are closing ranks. Many are simply deluded, like Patrice Evra popping up with another deranged video on the odd occasion City fail. Times they have changed. Boy, how they have changed. Neville said that it would never call for manager to be sacked. That is somewhat a strawman argument, as few need him to say that on air. It would be a good start if he criticised Solskjaer directly, by name, rather than dancing around the periphery. He'd done it with plenty of other managers, I'm sure, so his arguments hold little sway. Look down the league tables and find a club that would take on Solskjaer if he was sacked tomorrow. How far down would he have to go? Probably past Cardiff City for starters. And that ultimately is all you need to know. Long may it continue, because this circle of mediocrity is the best we can hope for in a game where money rules. So we should be thankful that we are here to witness it in all its glory. One day it will end. One day United will be top dogs again. There is an inevitability to it as they cannot be allowed to fall too far. They help set up structures, after all, that make that a near impossibility. Hence why the Newcastle takeover has riled them so much. So the longer they fudge that return to the top, the better. Drink it in. <laughs>